What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Budtender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca, coming to you slightly hungover on this Saturday morning. No worries, though, because I just took one of Level's hangover pro tabs. For those who are unfamiliar, Level makes these tablets, essentially, um, which you can just take with water, and they have one that is called specifically Hangover. I mean, I don't know if it's the marketing, I don't know if it's the actual cannabinoids in it, but it really does help me with my hangovers, so I am very appreciative of that. If you happen to stumble upon them at a dispensary, I highly recommend just grabbing a pack just to keep on deck, you know? You never know when you might need them. Today, I have my friend Luigi Beauvais on the show. So Luigi and I worked together at the Cannabis Cafe. She was our inventory manager. Um, so if you want a product, you had to get through Luigi, essentially. And we ended up actually getting pretty close during quarantine. Um, we realized we lived on the same street and we would go on blunt walks. So we would each have our individual blunt and we would walk around the neighborhood and just talk for hours. And that was when we realized we both loved Bravo TV. So Bravo is where you have your Real Housewives, your Shaws of Sunset, basically every fucking show that I watch uh, on the daily. Because it is May, because it is still Mental Health Awareness Month, I am not joking when I say that this is part of my mental health routine. It sounds crazy, but it is nice to just fucking disconnect and get lost in these worlds. I mean, for people who judge, especially those who watch sports, you are a hypocrite. I'm telling you right now, it's literally the exact same thing. These are athletes in their own right. (laughs) These are reality TV star athletes, okay? These are people who are entertaining the masses. We're going to talk about Luigi's history with cannabis and what she's up to. She's also commissioning herbal blends. um, So you can find her on Instagram at Duchess Lou. And yeah, she'll talk a little bit more about them on the show. So let's get right into it. I'm going to go nurse this hangover with some more CBD and THC and food a boy is bringing me. So, haha, my weekend's looking fine. Love you guys. Mwah. I told myself I could smoke this blunt. there Bianca <laughs> your levels are gorgeous I knew it wouldn't be an issue uh, <laughs> cutie I'm so excited that you're here uh, for many reasons because we're gonna be doing a very special episode today you and I share a common bond of our love for Bravo and reality TV this is part of our mental health care people like I'm not even joking this keeps this cannabis for Luigi, it's her plants she's got probably 60 and counting at the moment but like this keeps us grounded so we're gonna get into all that but before that i want to know what your perception of cannabis was growing up and then i would love to know the first time you actually smoked weed 
my perception of cannabis growing up was, oh, it's a drug. Oh, it's 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 dope, as my mom would call it. And I'd be like, what what is dope? Like, what are you talking about? And then as I got older, I realized that it was just it was just like tobacco. It was a plant. You grew it. You smoked it. Papers, joints, blunts, whatever you wanted to use, like. It was literally the same thing to me as tobacco, except for it was way better. Dude, that was always my thing was like, wait, you're smoking cigarettes when you can smoke weed? What? It's still to this day when people do spliffs. I'm like, oh, you're ruining it? And for a person like myself who I smoked cigarettes for a really long time and then used cannabis to stop smoking cigarettes, I was like, wait exactly that thing like I could have just been doing this the whole time like what was okay I get the point of the other one yes the other one has its purpose for a time and a place for who needs it for that time but this it it has a purpose for every single human being on the planet at every single time and in every single place it's just why are you offended by it so much? What offends you about it so much? So now I'm just like, I'm sorry I'm late. I had to smoke a blunt, but I have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I've arrived. I'm in a great mood. Let's get shit done. Yes, because you're constantly working too. Like that's never, your relationship with it has never been uh, a hindrance to like your development, clearly. My relationship with cannabis was more recreational as a kid and grew into a more functional relationship. It's more of how do you start your day? How do you continue your day? How do you maintain your day? And how do you end your day? Like there are times where I don't need to smoke cannabis. But then again, there are times when all I need (laughs) is to smoke cannabis. Amen. So there should be that, like, level of, like, oh, it's kind of like drinking. Sometimes I need to drink and sometimes I don't. Like, what's the big deal in saying, oh, I'm going to have a drink tonight? and Or if in saying, oh, I'm going to go smoke something tonight and chill. Like, there's no difference in that to me. First time I smoked, I was in high school. It was Thanksgiving week. Um, I was probably, like, 14... 15, we were in the woods, drinking after a pep rally, because that's what kids do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, I was a, I'm an 80s baby, so like we had a lot of fun, and we, we hung out outside. I don't know if a lot of people understand what, what that means, but like there was fresh air, yeah. and we hung out outside of the home. Yeah, do kids even hang around train tracks anymore, like in the forest, in the woods? I don't know. I don't know, but I I can count the number of times. Well, I I actually can't count the number of times I was run out of the woods by the police. But (laughs) I digress. And we were drinking, and my best friend at the time, who also lives in L.A. now, was just like, hey, you want to try this? And I was like, sure, whatever. I'm happy, (laughs) whatever. I was like, how do you do this? And they were like, just smoke it. And I was like, oh, no big deal. Smoked it. I was also drinking. 
I didn't understand what the waves was at the time until later on. Caught the waves and uh, it has been the longest relationship and the most fulfilling relationship I've had in the past 25 years. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I've actually written about like how cannabis is my longest lasting relationship. And it's just, and it's like my soulmate in a lot of ways. She's just there for me. Throwback to the woods and just being young and carefree. And now our relationship with the plant is way more intentional. You've actually gone a step further and you have started learning about other plants and their medicinal value and you're incorporating that into your cannabis routine. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like? So something happened where my relationship with plants and the life that they give changed. Um, I had a shroom trip and, you know, I spoke to some plants or better yet, they spoke to me. And now I have a completely different relationship with cannabis based off of the fact that like I see it as a thing that gives me life while I give myself life. Mm -hmm. And so I incorporated herbs and flour in order to elevate my experience and my relationship with cannabis and the earth altogether and, and making it a one situation rather than like adjust a cannabis situation. That's so beautiful. Was that the trip where we were downtown? Yeah, she's shaking. She's nodding. Yeah. <laughs> I was present for it. Uh, yeah, we just let you, we left you in the plant shop. I mean, we could see you because it was glass. So we kept an eye on you. But like, you were just in another world with them and stuff was happening. And we were just like, we're just going to let it happen. And I remember us having another conversation where you were talking about, I don't know if it was the same shroom trip, different, or maybe it's just weed. Who knows? We do a lot of psychedelics. Yeah. So you were saying how you were in your bed and you noticed how Grace was thirsty. And as you continue the story, I realize Grace is a plant. Like, what are you up to right now in your collections of plants uh, total? And do they all have names? So this shroom trip was amazing. And it allowed me to open up myself and ground myself in a way that like I've never been able to be grounded before. And so my relationship with plants is included in that grounding, which has, now I have 70 plants um, from that trim trip in October. And no, they do not all have names. Um, I stopped naming them when I realized some of them didn't want to be named Whoa. right away. Yeah, you're going to need to elaborate on that one. <laughs> I think sometimes when you bring a plant home, you're super excited about the plant and you're really gung-ho about, like, taking this life home and you're going to, like, you know, love it and you're going to care for it and it's going to do all these things and you want to name it right away in order to, like, feel completely connected to it. 
But something happened one day where I was trying to name one of my plants and I couldn't name my plant. And I realized maybe it's not ready to have a name yet. You and your plants talk to each other. I think that's awesome. None of my plants have names. I don't know if I'm doing them a disservice. They have nicknames. They have nicknames. You brought a bunch of herbal joints here. Do you want to smoke one yeah. before we continue? Uh, dealer's choice. What do we got? Well, they come in different blends, as I like to call them. So uh, we have a day blend. We got an anytime blend and we got a evening blend. So depending on how we feel in right now, <laughs> we can have whatever we like. Um, everything has roses in them, which I dry myself under a full moon or a new moon if I can possibly you know, wait that long. I also don't buy any of the roses. That's an, that's another thing. The roses all come from rose bushes at a friend's house. So they are as natural as they can possibly be. I do clean them with sage and I play music for them. So everything is, is done with love and intention, with which is how I think cannabis came into the earth anyways. Mm -hmm. So like, why not? Put it next to things that are made with love and intention. And like, why don't you actually do that for yourself? So I think since everybody's always talking about love and intention, <laughs> you know, you should ingest love and intention. Yes. Okay, why don't we do an anytime? Let's go for that. And then do you ever think that this connection and this relationship that you have and, and how you're approaching it, do you ever feel more connected to your ancestors in that way are people are people share an island and that's a really special bond that we have yeah i don't know it just occurred to me like do you feel a connection to your ancestors when you're practicing this plant medicine i actually think plant medicine is the way that the ancestors connect to me i think one of the things that we do ourselves a disservice is not being mindful in how we ingest things into our bodies and also how we treat the earth that's around us, right? So like their wildest dreams were to see us be great in whatever it is that we do. But what if that greatness is just you connecting to the earth and connecting to them? Not that many people on the planet are allowed to connect to their ancestors in that way. So I feel privileged and um, honored and um, sometimes mostly like I, I, I honestly just ask them why they have allowed me the privilege to connect to my, my earth in such a way. And yes, you're not supposed to question the ancestors in that way, but like, why not ask them that? Like, how did this come about? Why do you think that I need to be so connected to my earth? Why do you think that like I need to um, have this deep emotional grounding with the earth where that that is where I find my peace? Wow. Well, yeah, because now I'm like, well, when you start to think about how many people had to meet ahead of time in order for you and I to be here as we are in these, um, in these bodies. 
it's fucking mind blowing. Like the numbers are outrageous. And so, yeah, I, I've never asked myself that because it's like my mom doesn't really have that relationship with the earth. My father didn't have that relationship. Like people that we come from or I come from personally don't necessarily have that. So, yeah, now I'm curious. I'm like, why me? You're right. I guess I'll just have to sit with them and see what they say. <laughs> they're so pretty, by the way. Like, they're, and they're fucking stacked. Bro, this thing is packed to the brim. She's just smiling. Yes. Um, okay, so while I light this, you and I met at the Cannabis Cafe. You were our inventory manager. Fulfillment is like a relatively chill job at a dispensary. Uh, the Cannabis Cafe just took it to a whole new level where now you're also constantly taking care of the pieces and us and orders. And like there was a whole level of maintenance that you don't see anywhere else. Uh, and we were all just trying to figure it out. So what what was that like for you? Um, I think I had a unique position in being able to be the first person to have to like actually live through compliance um, when it came to opening a consumption lounge for cannabis. Um, I think one of the things that allowed me to be able to do that very well is I have a deep, deep background in hospitality. I know hospitality rules. I know OSHA rules. I know restaurant rules more than a lot of other things that I know outside of cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I found very important is that if you treat everything around you as if you were in a restaurant and you had to live that level of sanitary conditions and like OSHA regulations, then like I shouldn't have to worry about cannabis compliance because I'm already there. The only problem is, is cannabis compliance changed a lot. So you having to run a consumption lounge when the rules are constantly changing for cannabis and what we are doing and you're the only person doing it is very, um, it's challenging. And then you have an entire staff that you constantly have to like keep up to date, which is also challenging because there's a lot of things that they're also doing. Yeah, I mean, that was a really, really extensive menu and it would constantly change just from shift to shift. So not only maintaining the operations of that, but keeping everyone informed. It was it was interesting. It was such a unique space. I worked one fulfillment shift and I was like, never again. It was, I, it was honestly, I felt like at times more stressful than actually being on the floor. I think the level of neurotic energy that I had worked in what I was doing because I, I'm very like, not necessarily task oriented, but very solution oriented. So there was a problem. The problem is, is like, we have to figure out how to get inventory in out efficiently on time, you know, making sure that it's correct, making sure we're not losing 3% because God forbid, you know, you lose 3%. Expiration dates, making sure, you know, things are coming out that are not expired. Like, mm -hmm. like it's a whole situation that you're dealing with. But like the one thing you 
I had that was great was that I had a staff that would like somewhat listen and like (laughs) be relatively understanding of the fact that like we're all in this at the beginning so like I'm going by it just as fast as you are except I'm trying to go by it a little bit faster yeah (laughs) because if I know it then you'll know it but I gotta know it first it was just wild I it, it does make me a little bit sad to think that it felt like we were starting to get our footing you know, I never fucking memorized table numbers before. I never had to do that as a bud tender or like continuously support a patient throughout their experience with cannabis. That wasn't something that we did either. And then we were just so many people at the same time. I think that's what I found to be most overwhelming of being in the back was Now I'm not just interacting with my section. I'm interacting with essentially the entire staff and all these kids running around, chickens without heads, just trying to get people stoned and keep them happy. But like the kitchen is blowing up. It was a lot, but I appreciated what you did. I was scared of you. I'm not going to lie. I think <laughs> I think I just expected everyone to work as hard as I was working, mainly just because like I had to deal with every single human and yeah. <laughs> making sure that like you guys could do your job. And if you couldn't do your job, that meant that I wasn't doing my job. And that meant that no one in the building is happy. If I can't do my job. That means no one, not a single person coming into the building, not someone spending money, not someone getting paid is going to have a good time. Mm. So, yes, it was a little bit hard. And, yes, I expected everyone to understand that, like, I will take on all of your shit. You just got to be able to do as much work as I do. And I think that's hard for for 20-year-olds who are just like, I just want to be high. And I'm like, (laughs) I get it, but we at work. We can't just be high and not be working. We got to do all other things. Like, we got to be able to functionally be high and also work, (laughs) which is why I am a sativa diva. I don't understand this business of just, like, being high just to be high. (laughs) No, I got things to do. Things have to get done. I have to go to work. I have to clean my house. I got to take care of my plants. Things got to get done. So, like, (laughs) I'm going to smoke some sativa until it's time for me to smoke something else. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, I worked one shift and I was like, these, and no hate on the 20-something-year-olds. Listen, it's part of being 20-something. We're going to get into that, too, later when we discuss some, some certain Bravo celebrities. But, um... Yeah, after that, I was just kind of like, oh, I get it. I see why Luigi's like, let's just get this done. This isn't a fucking party. Every time we come back here, like, we have a business to run. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. Uh, but you you did a great job. And, and maybe we'll find ourselves in similar situations moving forward. Who knows? Who knows? The, the opportunities for consumption are so broad and it's still so new. I'm not opposed. Are you still open? I'm still open to the idea of running compliance and inventory within a lounge setting. I'm still open to that. I'm also open to helping a lounge get their setup together 
and then moving out and like letting you do your thing (laughs) i will you know get you on the right foot i will put you in the right path but i will also also be like all right bet like i'm done yeah here's your thing you can go and do it let go and let god yeah just yeah with that being said i think it's time about the bravo celebrities I have notes like there's we have shit to talk about. We have notes. Um, Why don't we just start off with the Jen Shaw arrest? Because I want to hit this while I just while you just get into it. For those of you who don't know, Jen Shaw was a or still is. I'm sorry. She's still filming. She's still filming. filming. (laughs) Bro, we're so excited. Still doing this. I'm still part of this. This is Jen Empire. This is Shaw's Empire. So let's go. Oh my God. You gotta love her for it. But honestly, it's really fucked up because her company was basically called out for scamming people out of their money, specifically elderly people. It seems like she had some kind of Ponzi scheme going. Housewife of Salt Lake City. What? Yeah, what was your take on all that? I think to Jen, I think she's a nice lady. I think she's a semi-nice lady. Right. Um, I think she thinks she's really good at business, but I don't actually think that she's good at business. I think what ended up happening is that she was like, yes, I want to make money to somebody, invested all of this money, put her name on a lot of things she shouldn't have put her name on, and then... Of course, this is what it is. So do you think or are you giving her the benefit of the doubt that maybe she wasn't aware of what was going on necessarily? I'm giving her the money's coming in. I don't have to worry about where it's coming from. (laughs) Yeah. My glam squad is getting paid. I think I think that's I think that's what happens. Right. I think that happens a lot is. Everyone is like, I'm going to get into business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And like, while I'm proud of everyone who wants to be an entrepreneur and everyone who is actually an entrepreneur and like y'all doing your shit, y'all hustling, y'all doing that. That's amazing for you guys. Um, But I think there are some times where some people really want to be like, Hey, look, I can do a job. I can do this. I can do all of the things. And they get caught up because they got into business with the wrong person because they just didn't have the awareness to be like, oh, actually, let me read these papers. Let me actually figure out what this business is that I'm like getting myself into. Let me like see what I'm signing. It's more of like, ooh, money's going to come in. Ooh, I'm going to make this, that, and a third. You just see the like, oh, there's a 10% return in the first three months. And it's like, yeah, but what happens after that? (laughs) And how are we getting such a big return in the first three months? Like explain... Dear sir, explain this to me like I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That maybe if you're not a business person, you're not questioning it. It might be a Teresa Giudice situation. We'll see. We'll keep you guys posted as well. But she is still filming. She actually got arrested. I don't know if they caught the arrest on camera, but she was filming when they went to pick her up to bring her to jail. 
I can't imagine that they didn't catch it on camera when the feds came and the feds were like, turn that camera off, period. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that didn't happen. She paparazzied all the way to and from yes. the fed office in Utah. And then like, was like, I'm going to go back to filming. How do you actually expect to go back to filming and this not be what everyone stops and talks about. <laughs> I don't care who's cheating on whom. I don't care who's in love with their husband. I don't care if, you know, Heather got the man of her dreams and she's going on dates and she's still being amazing. I don't care if Whitney is doing voiceovers on every single thing because it really does sound like Whitney is just doing voiceovers on every single thing. <laughs> All I want to know is, Jen, Jen, <laughs> how much of these lawyers going to cost you, Jen? <laughs> like, like, dear Jen, <laughs> I'm away for you when you come out of jail, but dear Jen, <laughs> how, much, how much are these lawyers costing? Because this is not going to be cheap. No. Is this going to cost as much as your glam squad? The lawyer fees? The lawyer fees, though, it's going to be so expensive. Let's move into Atlanta Housewives. We had a interesting season. The ladies were went through COVID. Uh, you know what I did actually really, really enjoy? All of them gaining weight, the COVID-19, and talking about it and weighing themselves. And, like, I, I just – I'm so glad that that was part of the journey. Uh, Bolo. The stripper bolo from Cynthia's bachelorette party. What? Let's let's get the rundown. What was your take on that whole thing? Before I give anyone my take, my disclaimer is I am a Scorpio sun, a Libra moon, and a Capricorn rising. Wow. I need everybody to mind their motherfucking business. I'll explain. Um, so a lot of the controversy that's around Bolo is basically whether or not Portia fucked him, which she is a grown ass woman who cares, who cares. It went on the entire season. It was actually really played out and annoying, but I get why she would do it. I mean, hello. You got to try it. If he's in the house, you have to try it. I'm sorry. I would want to know. Everybody needs to mind a motherfucking business. <laughs> I don't care who did what or who did whom. Like, dear Kenya, mind the business that minds you. Mind your whole motherfucking business. You have go mind your child. And the fact is, is that you spent the entire season trying to belittle, degrade, and and like trying to make it seem like, oh, she's doing something wrong. It's none of your business. I completely agree. I think it was just her way of deflecting her own situation with her husband or lack thereof. And there's this weird thing with her and Portia. I love Portia. I love how she just rises above it and just really doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, I will say, to me, the most scandalous thing from that episode and that weekend was the fact that Kenya would order herself crab cake sandwich and not order food for any of her guests who does that that's evil my love language is food 
Um, and for a person who constantly has comments about every single other person and how they live their life and what they do, number one, what? You ain't got no home training? Yeah. You just not gonna feed people when they go on, on vacation? Like, y'all are the housewives. Bravo gives y'all a budget. I can't imagine that you couldn't have told Bravo that you needed at least, like, either a chef to be there in the morning or that, like, they should have groceries at the house when you get there. Like, ma'am, what are you doing? I get that we're all grown-ass women and they all have families and they all know how to take care of themselves, but you invited people somewhere and you do not feed them. That is not okay. You have terrible home training. (laughs) That was horrendous behavior. I I had a real... Uh, I was really upset by that. Uh, we also had a new housewife this year. Drew made it on to Atlanta. I will go first. I enjoy Drew. There are a lot of things that I enjoy about Drew and I like about her. She kind of lost me at the end with the whole profit situation and Latoya. And she brought a Christmas present that everybody was spending a thousand dollars it was a secret santa situation and it just did not go well and i just i think she can recover though is what i'm saying i feel like she ended poorly but i feel like if she they bring her back do you think they're even going to bring her back if they do they might as well put latoya on as a housewife so that i can at least get that that drama latoya and marlo will always be house guests um, I like Drew. I think she's, I think she herself is, is a cute person. Yeah. I think she's not trying to be malicious or anything, but I think that this is where I can understand people disliking a show like the housewives. Mm. This is exactly what I can see. Why is because she did a funny shady thing as the Christmas gift. And rather than everyone actually making it funny, they all took it as slight as in like, oh, well, what if I got that? Yeah, all right, so what? Mm. Who cares? Who cares? She spent $1,000 on that wig. Like, y'all all all got glam squads. Y'all all all got hairstylists. And those hairstylists go to school. They spend a lot of money to learn their craft. They would have fixed up that wig and made all y'all look fire in every single wig that she gave out. So, like, I'm not quite sure why anyone is really upset that a person decided to go out their way and find a $1,000 wig. I don't wear wigs, by the way. I'm a braids girl. But, like... Like, why are you mad? Y'all made fun of her all season long about hair. She goes out and spends $1,000 on a hair gift because she knew exactly who was going to get it. And it ended up being a gag. The gag is all y'all the trash. Wait a minute. So what? You're saying that we they knew going in who was going to get which gift? That producers told them? Ooh! Ooh! The eyes! Because, see, that was my thing. I was like... I don't mind a gag gift, but bring a backup just in case. 
Mm, and she sips. So, listen, it is reality TV. We know what we know about it. We know, obviously, that it's not all real. Didn't she give everyone gifts on the trip? Yeah. She gave everyone gifts on the trip. Those gifts were really nice. She was very thoughtful about giving everyone a gift. She was was very open. She was very lovely. She had a trip with food. She fed everyone, Kenya. She she fed fucks. (laughs) Food. Good food, too. New Orleans food. They went to Acme Oyster. I've been there. That place is fire. She knew what to do with them. And I do really love Drew. So I do hope to see her back. And uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised if Latoya came back as a housewife next season. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But she's messy and it's a lot. My, my problem with Latoya is, I mean, you came in the season mad hot. Your friend is Kenya. You see Kenya moves in ways that you wouldn't bring her around your family because you know your Caribbean-ass family would be like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Because guess what? My Caribbean-ass family is like, oh, hell no. Yeah. (laughs) So, to me, I get why she's friends with Kenya because Kenya's messy, Kenya's fun, Kenya can let her and... Um, they can do all the things that are are not acceptable within certain circles because, hey, she's Kenya, whatever, everyone gets it. But it's just kind of like, girl, you you don't need to be, you don't need to be messy. You're cute. You're fun. You need to actually let everyone like you. Right. Let everyone like you. There's no reason you can't just let everyone like you. Better shot at probably getting on the show, too, if everybody likes you. Just saying. Uh, I want to move into Below Deck Sailing. So Below Deck was one of those franchises that I got into over quarantine because the amount of content is just... It was perfect. Uh, basically it follows, if you're not familiar, it follows people who work on yachts. They're called yachties. They call themselves that. And we see their lives in front of the guest and that's their professional and their work life. And then we see the messy hooking up with each other, living together. Like it's, it sounds weird on paper, but when you watch it, it's so fucking good. And so... Do you think you have what it takes to be a yachty? <laughs> the look she just gave me. What? I'm too old to be a yachty, first of all. Second of all, no. <laughs> um, yachts are fun for the day. Um, but being a yachty, I've worked at high-end restaurants and like, I can't do that 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I can't be in open water and unable to access my cannabis. I can't live in such small and close quarters for what what is it like 4 months at a time, 3 months at yeah. a time, mm-hmm. like for a season. It's actually a season. So depending on like what season you decide to go and yacht in, like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't care how great the money is. Like, I don't. 
Because the money's real good. And a lot of them go from season to season, yacht to yacht. Like, they are just in it uh, for the long haul. But the money is tight. They work. The charters on this show, at least, are shorter probably than the normal charters would be. But still, two to three days and they walk away with, like, $1,500 cash typically each. Each. But, yeah, like, the just the way that people act. Like, people when they have money... I don't know what happens, but the things that we've seen on that show are horrifying. And if the producers are purposefully, like, casting, right. you know, difficult. difficult guests and guests who claim they're food critics and guests who are so over the top on, like, who looks worse? You a guy, and you come, and you're way over the top, but you could have afforded a bigger a yacht rather than a sailboat. <laughs> and now you want to be upset because the quarters are really a little bit smaller than you expected. Mm-hmm. The food isn't coming out at the time that you expected because you expect a certain type of thing. We're like... You should have actually been on a bigger yacht. You should have not been on a sailing yacht. Yeah. You should have been on something bigger. You should have been on below deck. We're like, it's a big ass yacht. It's a, it's a, what is it? 400 foot, Probably like more. a 200 yeah. foot, like, you know, like beautiful ass yacht that has mad room, mad space. There's two or three queen size beds. Like there's a, a master suite, like. You're so funny because I know exactly who you're talking about. You're talking about Barry, who was a guest on the show, who was there. I just want to share this with the audience. He was there with his boyfriend. His boyfriend was his daughter's ex-boyfriend. So his current lover is his daughter's ex. And they also went with their other children in addition to his ex-husband, his ex-husband's boyfriend, and then it seemed like a, a separate lover. So you can't write this shit. So it's just it's just gold. Um, oh, what? And their, their, their claim to fame was what? They were the first couple to be allowed to be married under gay marriage laws in the UK or some shit like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah, so, like, not only are they, like, playing on, like, an entire situation that was, like, groundbreaking and, like, should have never been a situation in itself because, like, who the hell is anyone to tell anyone who to love? Because love is love. Like, mind your goddamn business. Um, But at the same time, like, you seem like an actual asshole because you could have afforded something bigger the bigger space the nicer yacht the like all of the amenities that you wanted from a sailing yacht not only that but like all these charter guests their fucking charter is 50 percent off for going on the show so he could definitely afford it the chefs are like chef's kiss literally they're psychopaths too so if you enjoy like mental breakdowns i highly suggest below deck if you enjoy young beautiful people getting drunk and hooking up Highly suggest Below Deck. Also, if you're into that, there's Summer House. Another show on Bravo. I didn't know that I needed in my life until quarantine. Because again, on paper, I'm like, do I want to watch these kids get drunk in the Hamptons? Do I give a fuck? No. Should I give a fuck? Yes. I do now, honestly. Because 
again, so entertaining, so messy. We just had a reunion. You and I were talking a little bit about this character, Hannah, which maybe we can turn this into something inspirational for some 20-something-year-olds listening because Hannah unfortunately fell in love with a fuckboy who... I'm is at fault for his own reasons and his own actions. You know, let's not forget she's not crazy. She was gaslit. But you just look at it now from afar. And I say this and like, trust me, like two weeks ago, I was in the same situation. (laughs) But because it does suck to like someone more than they like you. Right. What do you have to say about that in general? As what what wisdom can you share? Dear Hannah, I really like you. Um, I'm excited for you and Des. I think he's a great guy Um, for you. Right. But I think... I think the one thing I would tell 20-somethings about dudes Mm -hmm. is that, like, you see, feel, understand, and get all the red flags. Why do you keep not actually paying attention to them? Mm -hmm. Like, Luke walked in and was like... Hey, man, I'm a fuck boy. <laughs> and Hannah was like, oh, my God, look at how beautiful he is. Yeah. And I get that. And I understand why that is is how you feel. I get it. And he also ate her out for three hours. I understand. <laughs> I get it. I understand how you feel. But at the same time, if... You haven't had sex with a person, number one, unless you're one of these people who decides to wait to have sex with a person, which I'm totally okay with. Like, that's totally fine, too. Mm -hmm. But if a man doesn't show you that he's completely, like, in it to win it and you're it that's there to win, Mm -hmm. then, like, meh. Y'all can have fun, but that's it. Like, don't get your heart involved until you see that your heart is allowed to be involved. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because, like, honestly, like, we need to keep some of these men just as friends so that we can teach them to be better men mm-hmm. and not be fucking them. Mm-hmm. I get why the attraction is, but, like, here's one of the things in secrets that I have in my back pocket that I don't tell anyone. I have the most beautiful male friends. Why? Because when I'm out with them, we look so good together shout out to uncle harvey um that everyone is looking at us and expects that we're a couple and we are not we are not the thing is is i keep him sharp he keeps me sharp and like keeping beautiful or like just keeping male friends around who you actually are like i don't need any physical thing from you except for you to be my friend is totally fine. Hannah and Luke fucked up. They could have just been the best looking friends in every single room they walked in and that would have been totally okay. (laughs) But instead, she wanted more than just the best looking friends. She wanted to have the best looking man and he he was just on some like, 
I literally just want to be the best looking in every situation. Like, yeah. I want to chop wood without a shirt on and just be, like, the best looking on camera. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I want to, like, you know, wear my glasses, long hair, and my beanie and be the best looking person on camera. I want to, like, get into a fight with Kyle and Carl and still be the best looking person. That was the best, like, non-fight fight that I've seen in a minute. Like, what? <laughs> Um, you know, Luke has this thing where he's like, I'm going to gaslight every single woman in this house, yeah. but I also just want to be the best looking person on camera. Yeah. And he is by far the best looking person on camera. So like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But like, dear 20 year old ladies, the 10, the nine, those guys, those are your friends. The sevens, the eights, that's your man. <laughs> yeah. The fives and the six, we ain't talking to none of those motherfuckers because they still don't know how to act. <laughs> I love that. That's so amazing. Um, I Yeah, Luke. Luke's a pretty boy. Luke is actually like 36 or 37. He's He is old enough to know better. So if he's not acting right, it's because he doesn't want to act right. Like, let's be real. Listen, Hannah's moved on. That's the thing, ladies. You can move on and look, she got a ring. She got a ring from another person. I'm not saying that's the goal, but if it is, there's so many people out there. Yeah, I'm I'm learning and constantly relearning this as far as like, yes, I'm worthy. Don't take people's bullshit. Don't put trust in people that don't deserve my trust just because they fuck good. She didn't even know he fucked good because they never fucked. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah. But here's the other thing about Hannah. Hannah also has to understand that like not every guy who spends time talking to you getting to know you and facetiming you is in love with you yeah and not that's not for hannah now because hannah has does and that's amazing now for her but like most most people just just realize that like not everybody is gonna be the one you just have to be very discerning about who you allow to be in that space and see them in that light and on that pedestal. Now you allow yourself to see everybody in that light and that pedestal, then I'm so sorry for you, Aries, because that's not real. Um, But if you allow yourself to see people and be like, you know what, I'm going to be friends with the tens and the nines because I'm going to get just the same benefits as like being seen with them, having dinner with them. And we're not doing a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. Minus all the stress of being with a 10 or a nine and the mistrust and the, yeah, just all that stuff that happens. I love Amanda. I went into it cause it's funny. I went into watching summer house seeing Hannah on Bravo chat room and liking her there and being like, okay, yeah, I'm going to really like this girl. And then like having my issues with how she's handled things. Never thought I would fall in love with Amanda and Lindsay and Danielle and just like kind of the other side of the house. I love those girls. Like those are the people that I want to party with 100%. Paige is on there. I enjoy Paige. I'm not going to lie. I have slid or tried to slide into Carl's DMs. (laughs) he's beautiful he's changed he's beautiful he's healthy now like i'm here for it um i think i think Lindsay's a little too neurotic for me (laughs) and danielle works too much to be my friends um 
But I do like Carl. I think he is a really good person. He's just trying to, like, figure things out. Um, Which is okay. Because, like, honestly, like, who isn't trying to figure things out, to be quite honest? Um, I think as a person who's had um, a difficult relationship with alcohol and um, learned to have a new and a a slightly um, a less dependent relationship with alcohol... I think that being allowed to play out is really nice. I think him being very open about that is really good. But I also think him being open about, you know, his family situations and his his brother's passing. And that's good for people to see. Because I think mo- a lot of men, a lot of dudes, to quite say, and you know who you are if I just called you a dude. Like, don't hit dogs will holler like don't don't come at the post or anything like being crazy like in the comments being crazy like you know exactly who you are I think a lot of you feel as though you aren't allowed to be emotionally vulnerable and for a dude like Carl to allow himself to be completely open and emotionally vulnerable on camera, to the world, for the world to see, critique, and comment on. I I think that's a really good thing. I don't know how healthy it is. It's not my type of thing. Um, But I think he's helping somebody somewhere deal with something really deep and really dark, and they feel like they might be alone. And I think that that's a great thing. For him to allow people to enter his life and see what growing looks like and see what, like, changing looks like. I'm honestly getting wet just thinking about it. (laughs) His emotional (laughs) vulnerability. (laughs) But, like, for real, I mean, it is a really dark place to go. And it does take a really strong individual to be, like, I'm going to be open up about this. I'm going to share this. So shout out to Carl. It's weird because there are moments of that show that I can really identify with and I didn't expect to going in. So that's kind of cool. And another thing I like about reality TV, I just like storytelling and I think humans are fascinating. Um, We're going to have to have you back because we have Beverly Hills coming up. We have a new season of New York coming. Beverly Hills with Erica Jane. Like there's so much. We have for the first time ever on the cast of Real Housewives of New York. We're going to have a black uh, housewife. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I need somebody to tell Ramona. Stop. (laughs) Dear Ramona, just stop. Like stop everything. Just stop. Like I don't. No. <laughs> just just all of the no. Find every single seat. Take it one at a time. Assess yourself as a human. I will also disclaim by saying that, yes, while as much as I love Bravo and all these reality TVs, I do live in the actual real world. And we do live in Los Angeles, California. And... I do think that The Real Housewives as a franchise, especially between New York and Beverly Hills and Dallas, like y'all really need to step it up because your shows do not look like the demographics in the cities that you are in. And I think that you need to 
do a better service um, of the places like New York where we need to have, you know, a Latina mm -hmm. along with a black person. Yeah. Um, I don't care what kind of Latina you want to choose. I don't care if she's light, if she's black, mm -hmm. if she's, you know, not black, if her hair's smooth, if her hair is curly. Like, I don't actually care because I feel like Housewives of New York should be a little bit slightly more diverse than it is. I appreciate your new housewife. I'm really excited for you and everything for us to have more things to talk about. But I think a Latina would be very um, cohesive and would make sense with what the demographics look like yeah. in New York. Um, I also think you hit up somebody from Univision. I'm, I can't imagine Telemundo, Univision. No. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine that these ladies don't know one of these women and they don't, you know, interact with each other in some random weird way. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. Like you're doing a little bit better. You're doing a little bit better. You also gave a Sierra on Housewife on Summer House, yes. which I love. Yeah. Sierra was great. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming into the house. Paige was completely correct. Naomi Campbell meet Mother Teresa, and yeah. it's one person. Like Paige was right about that. Paige, dear Paige, you were correct. <laughs> um, she's Sierra's a nice girl, but like again with Summer House, like. Let's think about the demographics. Let's think about, like, are we incorporating a random black person or a random person who is not white because, oh, it looks good on TV, oh, because of the times, oh, because we're we're trying to be performative. We're trying to, like, not appear as performative as we are. You need to make it look like the demographics. Like, I can't imagine that these kids don't have... Uh, you know, a a dude who's a black dude who's their friend and like could come into the house. I'm not sure if that's what we're gonna see next summer. I don't I don't know. I just know I don't wanna see Amanda and Kyle in the house because now they're gonna be married and like that's gonna be weird. So much to say. I mean, so marriage changes things, it seems like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um as you're saying this, I'm like, yeah, has there ever been a Latina on New York Housewives? No. Never. No. New York. New York City. There's never been some Puerto Rican or Dominican chick. Like, it's crazy. It's really I mean, crazy to it, think about. Like, you could even kill two birds with one stone by having, like, a like an Afro-Latina yeah. who's Puerto Rican and Dominican. Yes. Like, you killed one, two, three, and then, like, if she's a lesbian, like, four. Like, right. goddamn, like, you know how many stones you could, like, throw right. at one person who, like, actually, like, is already in in the society in the like mm -hmm. in that in level community. in yeah, that community like you need to look a little bit harder like you need to stop like asking these girls who their friends are and you need to right. actually just see who their friends are mm -hmm. and go to the friend and be like hey mm -hmm. i mean i'm not gonna try to tell you anybody or who but you know just just go find an Angie Martinez type. Like, I know somebody like that exists in the world and who's friends with them and who knows these women and who can who can come and not take a seat at the table because that's not the thing that we should be doing. We shouldn't be just taking the seat at the table. The seat should already be ready for us to sit at. Mm -hmm. So 
dear Bravo, dear Andy, go find your Angie Martinez type that covers and makes, you know, New York look like New York. 100%. And make the make of the seat what you will not follow or abide by some kind of rule book or guide to this like really authentically. Yeah, Sierra was a phenomenal uh, addition to Summer House nurse throughout COVID just like killing it and then coming and so funny I was watching her nurse family and friends and they have no idea she did this just totally separate uh Hannah never stood a chance honestly like I'm sorry no one does no one stands a chance against Sierra that's impossible do you know what I think about her and Carl you know they like each other you know they have crushes on each other come on you know I understand how, I'm going to disclaim before I say this, I understand how some people feel about interracial relationships. I am not one of those people. I don't give a fuck who you love, love who you love. Please have a good time loving them. But damn, Sierra and Carl will have some tall, beautiful babies. Yeah, I can't even give them that. Our babies would be short or average. Like, (laughs) I get it. I know why he's not reading anything. This has been so fun. I do want to bring it back to cannabis. And so I want to move us into our next segment, which is the re-up. So it's just stuff that you would re-up on, stuff that you put your stamp of approval on, cannabis cannabis related. The bubbly. The bubbly and the blend. I'm feeling very good right now. Um, Your favorite word for cannabis. It used to just be weed because, you know, that was like fun when I didn't see cannabis and had the relationship that I have with cannabis that I do now. So because of my respect for the plant, what it does for me and how I think it it gives back to human race, um, I do call it cannabis now. Your favorite stoner movie of all time? Ooh. I'm going to have to say how high because for the culture, Red and Meth. I still have the biggest crush on Meth and Man. Like, he, to this day, to this day. And he still lives on Staten Island. What we're going to do is respect Method Man, his wife, <laughs> his relationship, everything. They have grown together over the past 20 years and not speak on <laughs> the love and respect that I have for everything and every part of that man. Wait, 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 wait. So are you saying I can't say he's a beautiful man? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> no, but is but that for, disrespect? Because I w- obviously I'm not a threat. For me, I wish them the best. No. I love, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> for me, myself personally, I'm going to go ahead and like my tweets say, I he respects himself, his marriage, his life. So I'm going to go ahead and respect him also and not speak on the things that I would or would not let happen between us um, because I respect his marriage, I respect his wife, I respect his family, and I respect him as a human and her also. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. Hashtag women supporting women. <laughs> That's how you really support women. You respect their marriages and you respect our husbands and you don't speak on that shit if you don't have to. I just learned my lesson. Um, I retract everything, Method Man. I hate you. <laughs> you don't want to hate me. Please don't. Please don't hate people. Please, please don't hate people. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, your favorite music to listen to when you get high? Ooh. I guess it depends what mood I'm in. If I'm smoking a sativa in the morning and I'm getting my day started, I like to listen to 2 Chains. Shout out to 2 Chains. If you ever want to smoke some joints, I'm here for you. If you want to roll and smoke some blunts, I'm here for you. I'm also a professional bone roller. Um, yes. uh, if I am chilling midday and I'm just like trying to keep my day moving, I like to smoke some hybrid and listen to some some most deaf I like stay in that realm if it's the evening time depending on how i'm feeling could be anywhere from an ari lennox if i want to feel a little Ooh. sexy time um but most of the time it's probably something super chill like erica badu all very vibey very vibey if heaven exists what strain would be on your top shelf Sage and sour, which doesn't actually exist as a flower anymore. It only comes in cartridge form, in in concentrate form. So, but yeah, it would be sage and sour would be it. Now I'm curious. Uh, marry, fuck, kill, flower, concentrate, edible. I will marry flower. Flower is my love. It's my end all be all. It's um. It is where everything derives from. Flower is from the earth. It will give you everything else that you need. I will fuck up some concentrate. I have known and been known to fuck up some concentrate. Um, I like to occasionally put concentrates in my blunts and see what happens. Um, I will occasionally take a syringe straight to the head. See what happens after I smoke a blunt. Like, I mean, I will do that. Um, but I would, I would kill, I would kill an edible. I mean, no offense to edibles. I like you guys. You guys are nice. But like, y'all come in at the, like, who knows when you coming in? <laughs> like, and you guys just like come in the door waving the full full, like you fucking biggie and shit. Like, come on, like, what? what are we doing like i don't even know when you gonna hit like you just you just show up like the feds and i'm like oh shit (laughs) dude one of my favorite memories of you at the cafe was i'm just gonna say it high as fuck off an edible with brent do you remember that specific shift of you in the back you you were in slow motion i and for you especially i was like oh luigi smacked right now <laughs> i didn't know i went to work at 800 milligrams and like smoked a couple blunts and like i spent 30 minutes laughing i don't even know what was so classy and funny um it was amazing. It was amazing because, like, it was one of those nights where, like, everyone in the building was just kind of like, I have never seen you like this. Yeah. And I'm like, you probably never will again. <laughs> and, like, laughed more than I've ever laughed. Um, it was it was a painful sort of situation because I was in such a high and great of a mood and everyone was like i don't know what's going on with you but like it's real busy and like everything's taking a really long time and i'm just kind of like y'all we're having a great time at work like what and it was the one day where i was like i can't take care of y'all today because like i'm having 
too much fun. It was a you day. It was a you day and you deserved it. And it was great to experience. Uh, Brent was also amazing. A hundred milligrams or however deep he was in. (laughs) We were were at the, you were deep and we were at the cannabis cafe. Where else are you going to fucking do that? We were deep in edibles and we were like having the best time. I was training. Like who, who does that? Like who does that? He was having a good time, having fun with me and like, no work was getting done because we were laughing so hard. But like, that's what happens every now and then at the mm-hmm. cannabis cafe because it's the cannabis cafe. Shout out to Courtney. Shout out to Courtney. Aww. You know what, Courtney? Yeah. You did. You 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 did a good thing. Shout out to you. Shout out to you for putting us together. Shout out to all the hard work that you put in. We we appreciate you. Like we know you like to be on the DL and nobody you want nobody to know who you are. Yeah. But. Shout out, shout out to Courtney. Shout out to Courtney. She's amazing. She's I, amazing. I hope she's doing well. She's, she's doing great. good. Uh, any of your favorite cannabis products at the moment that you want to share with our audience? Um, I'm currently real enamored with a Golden State joints. Um, outside of my own joints that I like to roll, Golden State joints are really great. I'm also completely and utterly in love with uh ball family farms oh, yes. ball family farms has some of the best most beautifully cultivated flower um if we're talking top top three flowers that i i personally pay money for and like to smoke um golden state might be number one just Everything about it gives me all that. Ball Family Farms is going to be number two because Ball Family Farms is by far one of the most beautifully cultivated um, cannabis products out there. And I'm going to go ahead and be one of those people and talk about Houseplant because let's be serious, Seth Rogen put out Houseplants. And to be quite honest, the flower is kind of really nice. It's pretty fire. But... Um, it's it's still gonna be number three to to mm-hmm. Ball Family Farms because mm-hmm. Ball Family Farms has just absolutely hit the nail on the head. They are as close to a perfect thirty percent plus flower mm-hmm. as you can find. Um, they're black owned, mm-hmm. black operated, and they are making a product that is completely worthy of every single dollar that you put mm-hmm. into it. I literally just finished an eighth of their rain. Phenomenal. Amazing. Just beautiful, beautiful. And uh, who was the first one? Oh, and a Golden State. That, Golden State uh, that will was, always be my number one. Yeah, that will just always remind me of the cafe. That well, It brings it, me there. There's there's the fact that it brings me back to the cafe and all of, all of the people that I met, meeting you and all of that. Yeah. But it was also one of the first luxury brand flowers i guess i'm gonna call it luxury but it was one of the first like flowers where like the story behind actually getting the flower and making the flower was more important and more valuable to me than the actual flower that i was smoking and every time i opened a jar from a golden state i could smell nothing but clean And, like, I was so excited to smoke whatever was in the jar just because, like, I knew I was about to get the highest of the high, the cleanest of the high, and, like, one of the best smokes I'll ever have. Mm -hmm. So, for flower, those three really, like, 
set the standard for any time I go into a dispensary and I'm and I'm actually like spreading my dollar around to get flour like Golden State, Ball Family Farms and and Houseplant are going to be it. All right, let's move into our last segment, which is call your plug. So this is your moment to plug anything that you're working on that you want people to check out, social media follows, all that good good. Um, along with cannabis, I love coffee. I work in coffee. Um, for those of you who understand and might know, I plan to be a Sunny Corinthos of the world. Um, oh, that was a general hospital reference. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to plug Sip and Sonder. Uh, I currently work there, but I also love the coffee from there. It's probably one of the best coffees I've ever had in my life. Um Lots of love and intention go into the coffee being made. Um, I want to plug For the Love of Us, uh, which is a brand that encapsulates, you know, everything that our ancestors want for us and love for us and need for us. So you can check them out at, at For the Love of Us. Um, I also want to plug um, Gangsters by Flowers. It's a dope-ass brand. Um, local brands from the Northeast, New York, um, Boston Connection, love their stuff. I'm a flower person. I enjoy flowers. I enjoy plants. So, like, that's the brand. If you see me wearing a lot of their brands out, you see me on my post at Duchess Lou on Instagram. Um, oh. I do that a lot. Spell that out because you got spell it out because it's cute. I also would like to plug Dutch Masters because I love Dutch Masters. I'm a blonde girl, so I do Dutch Masters as Duchess Lou. So at D-U-T-C-H-E-S-S-L-U on Instagram. I am also an avid Twitterer. I want to say hello and shout outs to all my homegirls on Twitter, all my fans on Twitter, all the homies on Twitter. I love you guys. Y'all are the best. Um, y'all see a side of me that nobody else does. Um, so Twitter's worse. at plug a couple of other things and see Buzz Lock High, which handles all the CBD that I add to my flower joints. Um, very local to LA. Just one of the homies. You can get joints at, um, just just hit me up on my Instagram to get a couple of these um commissioned herbal joints. Yeah. And uh let's get it popping. <laughs> let's smoke some more joints and talk some more bravo. I love that. Thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. Uh any last words? When I'm not smoking weed, I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I like to drink Crown and Hops made in Inglewood, California. It's yeah. some of the best beer on the planet. So go ahead and get yourself some. Um, their Instagram is at Crown and Hops. So go ahead and try that out. You're amazing. I love you. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Butt Tender Podcast. Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Butt Tender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies.